And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Yo, yo, what is up? Welcome to a post-game edition of the Forum Club. I am your co-host, Yovan Buha. The Lakers defeated the Memphis Grizzlies 94-92 on Tuesday night to improve to 6-2 and and close out their four-game road trip with a perfect trip, sweeping both San Antonio and Memphis. Two likely lottery teams, but... Remember, this has been a shorthanded Lakers team. Alex Caruso has missed several games. KCP has now missed several games. Both were out for tonight's game. Uh, so, you know, I think the story for me from this game was LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, they combined for 52 points on 21 of 40 shooting, 21 rebounds, 11 assists, four steals, four blocks. And really took over this game over the last four and a half minutes. Uh, Frank Vogel experimented yet again with the closing lineup, closing with AD, LeBron, Kuz, uh, Dennis, and Wes Matthews, who, who got a look there uh, down the stretch. And that lineup took over. Uh, you know, they, they were down, uh, I want to, I believe it was, it was two or three points when, when they, uh, when LeBron checked back in after taking a quick break. And they took over, uh, almost fumbled the game away at, at the end. But LeBron and AD scored 15 of the final 17 points, including 15 straight. And, and those 15 points really sealed it. And I think you saw why, um, you know, any Laker fans kind of panicking about losing two games at home or, or losing to Portland and the Clippers and, um, you know, kind of some of these slow, weird starts to the season – I think you all need to go back and, and watch the final four and a half minutes of this game because that to me is, you know, if, if you're a Lakers optimist and, and you're saying this team is the favorite and, and look, they've backed that up. They're, they're six and two. They, they have the second best record uh, in the league. They have the second best point differential in the league. Uh, they're top five offense, top five defense. Like, you know, they have the, the, the title benchmarks already, um, you know, aside from being the defending champs. But I think, you know, the, the end of this game really showed um, you know, why you know, Laker fans should be confident in this team because uh, LeBron and AD, I mean, no, this wasn't, uh, you know, this wasn't against the, the Clippers or the Nets or, or the Bucks or the Celtics or an elite team. You know, th- this was a likely lottery team, a, a team missing its two best players and John Morant and Jaron Jackson, but this is a scrappy team and, and they, they have size. Um, you know, they, they played the Lakers relatively well in, in both games and um, it's a it's a well coached team. I, I really like Taylor Jenkins. Um, so for, for you know the Lakers to just take over this game the way they did, and, and you know the formula of LeBron and AD and, and three shooters around them. You know uh, Dennis, Kyle, and, and and Wes are all above average shooters. Um, you know uh, you know Kyle and Dennis can make plays off the dribble. Um, even Wes can kind of pump fake and, and, and drive and kick like. All those guys can do different things offensively and then defensively, um, you know, obviously LeBron and AD, we know what they can do, but, but, you know, Kyle has stepped up and continued to grow. Um, you know, he had, uh, what, 
well, he, he didn't have a block tonight, but he, he did have, um, you know, several nice contests. You know, I, I think he's grown a lot defensively. And then West, I mean, we, we know what he can do. He, he's a proven defender. So, uh, and then even Dennis as, as a point of attack guy. So that, that was a really nice two-way lineup that they closed with. But um, just w- the ease with which LeBron and AD scored and, and just really took over the game down the stretch, uh, running the two-man game, uh, you know, several times, but also isolating. And, and, you know, AD spinning out of double teams to draw fouls or, or you know, finishing, um, you know, a driving kick for, from Dennis for, for a three. Uh, you know, LeBron uh, isolating against Dylan Brooks and, and hitting his... Uh, spinning fadeaway and then motioning towards the ground uh, that Dylan Brooks was too small to guard him. Like just all that stuff t- to me is, um, you know, stuff that's replicable and, and you know, a- applicable toward playoff basketball. Like that is, you know, this had that type of intensity of, um, you know, a, a close game, uh, the second consecutive game, these two teams played each other. Uh, both teams could build off of the, the previous game, you know, Memphis, similar to San Antonio, came out, you know, much more prepared for the second matchup than the first matchup. Um, and, you know, you know, the Lakers got their best effort tonight. And this team is not very good. And, and, you know, it was it was a weird game. You know, 94-92, very low scoring. Um, you know, so a, a good defensive effort from the Lakers, but also not the best offensive effort. Uh, but, it, you know, tonight really just showed to me, like, th- the rest of the Lakers scored 42 points on, uh, I'm checking here, uh, 17 of 47 shooting, which was 36.2%. Uh, so th- the rest of the team, basically, you know, only one guy was in double figures. It was, it was Dennis with 12, but he was five for 15 and he had uh, four turnovers to, to go with his six assists. So not the most efficient night from him, but, you know, even despite the rest of the guys struggling, uh, LeBron and AD were able to take this game over. Um, and, and that kind of is, is what gives you confidence in this Lakers team that, they have not only the best duo in the NBA, but quite possibly the best two players in the NBA, and and you know the two best closers or two of the top five closers. Um, you know we knew about LeBron, but we saw what AD did in the playoffs last season. Um, you know he has become arguably the most unstoppable one-on-one scorer in basketball. Um, you know I'm going to be writing about this soon, but he's you know obviously expanded his game beyond the three-point line. Um, improved as a passer like he, he just continues to get better offensively and I, I think you know if his jumper continues to hit at, at a very high rate you know similar to in the bubble like he's just unguardable there's nothing you can do you can't double him he'll, he'll you know find the the open cutter the open shooter uh, swing the ball um, but then he can attack anybody and attack any type of defense so I, I really think that you know tonight in the grand scheme of things, this is was a somewhat forgettable game. You know, I don't think many Laker fans are going to be uh, when they're looking back on the season, like kind of thinking of this random Tuesday night in Memphis. Uh, but to me, it just reaffirmed that um, why this team is so dangerous. Because as long as the game is close, LeBron and AD can take over, and it, it doesn't matter who the opponent is. Again, you know, I look at Memphis as a team that has a lot of size in the front court. Not the best defensive team, obviously, but. Uh, to me, you know, that was really the thing to take away from this game and not much else. So let's get into the open forum, our new Q&A style uh, for, for postgame. Uh, let's get into the first question here. 2020 City of Champs. Uh, that is at 2020 City of Cham 1. Uh, has THT played his way out of the 10-man rotation once Caruso and KCP are back? He's been given plenty of minutes, but is wild on offense and plenty of missed assignments on defense. 
And I'm going to combine that with another question from Drunken Mamba uh, at underscore Phileas. Uh, how much better will the Lakers be once KCP and Caruso are back? Uh, so I think the Lakers have clearly missed those two guys. Um, you know, not only are they their two best perimeter defenders, uh, but, but, you know, they provide so much energy on both ends. You know, they are two of their better transition players. I mean, we see KCP leak out and finish all the time. Alex can also leak out, but can also push the break. Um, so, you know, there has been that element of energy missing with this team. And I think you saw some of that sluggish play in San Antonio and Memphis. And, and I do attribute that in part to missing KCP and, and Caruso. Like, you know, those guys to me are, uh, you know, those two and Trez are, are probably like the three guys who bring the most energy. And we've seen Trez has kind of struggled, you know, the last few games dribbling the ball off of his foot or, or getting blocked or just not being as involved offensively as he was to kind of start the season. So, you know, he hasn't necessarily provided that, that shot of energy that he's um, accustomed to. I mean, he, he did in that the first Memphis game and, you know, he, he's played solid overall, but um, I just, you know, he hasn't, he's struggled a little bit the last few games. And I, I you know, part of me wonders how much of that has to do with, with KCP and, and Alex and, you know, those guys being out and, and the team not getting out in transition, um, not getting as many stops because, again, those two guys, um, I think, are a, a step ahead of Dennis and, and Wes and, and Talon um, defensively. And, and, you know, so the Lakers have missed that. And I, I think once those guys get back, like, I mean, they've been able to stay afloat without them. You know, they just had a, a 4-0 road trip. Uh, so it's not like they've missed them to the extent of actually costing them games. Uh, but but after the two and two start, you know, having this four and road trip, getting those guys back, uh, Frank Vogel said he, he thinks Alex Caruso will likely be back uh, for Thursday's game against San Antonio. Um, you know, this is a step in the right direction, and you know, uh, this is what the Lakers need to do all season because th- there's going to be nicks and knacks that keep guys out like KCP, or there's going to be health and safety protocols that keep guys like Caruso out and. and you know, you have to be able to withstand that. And that's where I think the Lakers depth has really stepped up and, and you know, they've been able to win these games. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Now, as far as THT, um, I do think that it's clearly been an adjustment for him. Um, he, he is someone who plays better with the ball. And uh, they actually said that on the broadcast today. Um, you know, I believe Stu said that, uh, that, you know, he is someone that clearly, you know, a lot of his buckets are him driving into the teeth of a defense, doing one of those crafty, you know, reverse layups or, or flip shots. And, you know, that, that is where he's most comfortable. So I think with him having to share the ball with, with LeBron and AD and, and Dennis and Mark um, and, and, you know, eventually Alex, once Alex is back, like there's a lot of ball handlers and, and playmakers on this team. And I, I think that, for, for him, it's an adjustment. You know, it was a little bit different in preseason where he was kind of that, that backup point guard. Um, I, I know he ran some of that in San Antonio and Memphis, but I think, look, he's a second-year player. Um, you know, I, I do think that 
if you're asking, is he going to be in the top 10 in the rotation? I, I would probably slot him 11th right now, especially with how well Wes Matthews has, has played. And, you know, again, he closed tonight's game. He, he's looked a lot better uh, since hitting those six threes in San Antonio. Um, so overall right now, I probably would put Talon 11th in the rotation, but I do think he has the upside to crack the top eight, crack the top nine. Um, it, it's just going to be a development process with him. And, and that, that's the thing we have to keep in perspective is for as good as he looked in the preseason, he's still only 20 years old and there's going to be a learning curve that there's going to be, you know, stops and starts and, and, you know, development is not necessarily linear. Uh, but what I think is encouraging, if you want to look at something encouraging with Talon, is the minutes. You know, he, he's played 14 minutes, 24 minutes, and then 22 minutes. So his minutes have been there. He has not produced offensively. He was a team worst minus 22 tonight in plus minus. So obviously that didn't necessarily translate uh, successfully, the minutes. But um, I, I do think that, you know, fans have been a little bit harsh on him. He's a 22, I mean, he's a 20 year old, second year second round pick. Like I think expectations need to be tempered a little bit, but also the, the proper perspective of he's a guy who's developing on the fly. You know, he, he doesn't have uh, a G league to go to right now. Um, and this team doesn't have a lot of practice time as Frank Vogel has mentioned multiple times. So I wouldn't really necessarily, you know, worry too much about him. I think that there have been some flashes uh, of plays he's made and, and defensive plays, you know, blocks, contests, steals, like, He's been active on that end. He has not been you know, good on that end, and, and he's been exposed a little bit at times. But I do think overall, um, you know, I've seen a lot of questions and, and some negativity with him, and I, I think everybody just needs to, to take a, a chill pill, relax, let him develop. And you know, if, if it's game 50 or 60 and we're seeing some of the same problems, then I think it's, it's, it start to, you know, it's time to maybe start to reevaluate things. But um, e- even so, you know, at the end of the season, he'll still be 20. So I, I think everybody needs to relax with the, the THT concerns. Um, from John Pham, LA Lakers, uh, at LA Lakers fan 88. On TV, I saw some courtside fans. Can you provide uh, more insight into that? So in Memphis, um, they have courtside uh, like friends and, and family and, and guests. Uh, so uh, it was, I believe, 100 in the first game and, and 75 tonight. Uh, so it's weird because you would think that the fans wouldn't be so close. Uh, you know, that part was kind of weird. Um, I don't know the exact specifics on if those people had to pass a, a rapid test or not. I would guess, you know, I would assume so. But, you know, I, I know the, the laws differ state to state um, and county to county and, and you know, stuff like that. So I, I'm guessing they, they probably had to pass a test. You know, I'm, I'm sure the NBA had their own protocol of like, if fans are going to be a certain distance, because those fans are pretty close to the court. Um, and, and, you know, basically we're, we're right there. And you've seen fans in, in like Utah and, in, in, you know, a couple different places, but they're in the stands. They're, they're still socially distanced from the players. Um, and, and they're all wearing masks, obviously, of course. So I, I think that, makes a little bit more sense if you're going to have people in there, but to have them right there on the court, I did think that was a little bit odd, um, but that was not fans. That was, you know, guests and, and family of the players and the staff. Uh, so we have time for a couple more questions. Uh, Lakers struggled when they went small. Well, this is actually from Aaron Labhan uh, at Barnes 12 on Twitter. Uh, the Lakers struggled when they went small again, uh, with Trez at center. 
defense was much worse. He's not offering enough on offense. This is just the reality of the center position now for the team, or can they do more to help this? Uh, got another question about adding a center. I mean, I agree that the center issue has, has center has been an issue at times. Um, we've seen Marcus Gasol struggle to stay out of foul trouble. We've seen some teams attack Mark and Trez in the pick and roll. Um, you know, Trez can struggle uh, in the wrong matchup, uh, especially when, you know, in, in this case, he's going up against Gorgie Jang, who is a, you know, 6'11", 7-footer who can shoot the ball. Um, and that is usually, a, you know, a tough matchup for Trez. Uh, so I think, you know, th- there have been some tough matchups for him, but he is a matchup-based guy. And I, I think um, that was one thing when, when people asked me about his fit with the Lakers that, I you know, I was trying to convey that, there are going, you know, I think both he and Mark, there are going to be matchups uh, that they don't necessarily work. Um, thankfully, I think it's almost the opposite where Trez, you can actually, you know, sometimes play against smaller guys. Um, he, he will bully them and kind of overpower them with his strength and his athleticism. Um, and he, he's deceptively long, you know, he's seven, he has a seven foot four wingspan despite being six foot seven. So, you know, he, he can, he can dominate against smaller guys, less athletic guys. Um, where Mark is the guy you want more against the, the, the Jonas Valanciunas and, um, you know, like those types of guys, uh, where I, I thought, you know, Mark was really good defensively tonight. Um, you know, with, with his post defense, his one on one defense against, um, you know, Valanciunas' face ups. And, uh, you know, so I, I do think that there is some overlap in, in terms of like the matchups where they both might struggle. But thankfully, I think most matchups will be more of a Mark matchup or more of a Trez matchup. Uh, depending on the opposing personnel. And let's get to the last question here from Honey, uh, at Potter underscore Honey on Twitter. Lakers games this start of the season have been a bit boring. Is it because of the no fan arenas, or is it on how they approach these games, a combination, or is it something else? Um, I do think that, again, the lack of energy the last few games has in part been no Caruso, no KCP. I think those guys just provide so much energy on both ends that, um, I think you will see a difference when one and or both are back. Uh, so that to me is part of it. I do think there's a little bit of like, you know, the Lakers are easing into the season. They, they've talked about managing the minutes of LeBron and AD. Um, you know, they had such a short break, you know, shortest offseason in NBA history, uh, basically uh, two and a half months. Um, so there's also an element of just, you're not only easing in LeBron and AD, but easing in everybody that was part of the championship run where, you don't want, you know, you most like, at this point, right? Like most guys would be kind of deep into the off season and, and starting to get ready for training camp, um, not be, you know, over two weeks into a regular season. So I, I think that, you know, with that perspective, like it, it kind of makes sense why some of this has been, um, you know, a little sloppy and a, a little sluggish at times. Uh, but I also think there's a lot of new pieces and, and there's a lot of guys who, need the ball. There's a lot of high usage new pieces. You know, Dennis is a guy who needs the ball. He's probably going to be third in usage on this team. You know, Trez is a guy who needs the ball to be effective offensively. I mean, he he's shown he can finish in the pick and roll and, and crash the offensive glass, but like he does like his post-ups. He does like his face-ups. Like, you know, I, I expect the Lakers at some point to kind of work a little bit more of that in. Um, Mark is another guy who, yes, he can spot up. He, he can space the floor, but you probably want to run some actions through him, some offense through him, some give and goes, um, some backdoor cuts, uh, you know, different stuff, uh, you know, pick and pop with him. Like 
he needs the ball too. So it, it is, you know, multiple new pieces that are still adjusting and, and fitting in. And Frank Vogel still experimenting. I mean, I think you look at the closing lineups again, he's going with different closing lineups every single game uh, pretty much at this point, you know, with, with LeBron and AD and Dennis kind of being the three guys that are always closing. So um, I think it's, it's a combination of all those things. I, I do think the no fan environment doesn't help. Um, you know, I, I even look at a guy like Trez, who I think really feeds off of a crowd and, and is someone that, um, you know, he, he's, flex, he, he's flexing and, and he's, um, you know, kind of snarling and uh, just kind of feeding off of the energy of the crowd home or away. And, you know, he's someone that hasn't had that. So I, I wonder if that's affected him at all. But um, I think it's, it's a combination of all those things. Um, I wouldn't be too worried about it again. I mean, this team is six and two, second best record. Uh, top five offense, top five defense, like Lakers are fine. Um, they, they still have an easy stretch of schedule coming up the next four or five games. Um, you know, I, I expect them to be something like 10 and three or 11 and two uh, by the end of it. So I, I would not worry. I think any worries are premature, uh, but I've gone too long again, uh, up to 20 minutes here. Uh, so I thank you guys for listening. Um, in, in the future, if you have any post-game questions, I'm going to continue to post on Twitter uh, kind of the, the thread of reply to this if you have a question. But if you do have a question during a game or, or post-game, you know, definitely uh, you know, reach out to me on Twitter and let me know, and I'll do my best to uh, answer it on here. Uh, so for the Forum Club, thank you guys for listening. I'm Jovan Buha. You can follow me on Twitter at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. And I will talk to you guys later in the week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.